0: and you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to SlashFilm Daily for Friday, March 5th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about WandaVision, the finale episode. This is SlashFilm Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast is SlashFilm Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. So let's get into this, Brad. Uh, You know, usually we do the feedback segment of of these episodes where we answer the questions from those of you listening and we did get a a ton of feedback on last week's episode but I I feel like almost every single email was addressed by the events in this episode uh we did get one that I thought might be worth answering because there has been some confusion around this Ken from Dublin Ireland wrote in how does agatha know so much about wanda vision avengers infinity stones And she only realized there was such magic until Wanda went into the full grieve moment. Did I miss something? Do you want to try to answer that, Brad?
2: I mean, I feel like things with the infinity stones are probably separate from the kind of magic that she was aware of because like she says, the Scarlet witch was supposed to be a myth. So it's something that's clearly been around since back from back when she was a witch, you know, during the Salem witch trials times. And, And so, I think if anything, the you know that that myth has probably been lying dormant inside Wanda, and the uh, the Infinity Stone is just what helped wake it up. And I feel like if it wasn't the Mind Stone, then it could have been something else that eventually awakened that power, um, you know, in, inside of her. Especially since her power, yeah. you know, it, itself manifested itself during a time of great you know stress when she was a child. So I, I think it it would be it makes perfect sense for her to have knowledge of the infinity stones and the Avengers and all that, because it was such a big world changing thing that happened that everyone seems to know about now. Um, yeah. and, and then the Scarlet and, and, and infinity
1: stones were like a thing that like, even the sorcerer Supreme knew about, right. like it's like this big thing, you know, they're the first elements created of this galaxy or whatever it was. It um, also, obviously Wanda vision and the Avengers have been in the news for the last 10 years or 15 years. Right. So she knows all about that from the news, I'm assuming. I mean, she's been around for centuries now. So I'm sure she's paying attention to the news, what's going on. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that clarifies things. I think that she didn't know exactly how, you know, I see, here's the thing that kind of bugs me. And someone brought this up to me after we recorded last week's episode. And they they had that great ending to episode, uh, which episode was it? The, the Agatha all along was that episode uh, seven, I guess. Yeah. It was the end of episode seven had the revealed that it was Agatha all along and it had this like really great theme song. And it had her showing up how like she was like, you know, messing up a magic trick at the, the town talent show and all this stuff. And then ep- episode eight, which we didn't really discuss last week. It, it kind of proved that it wasn't Agatha all along. It was, Agatha trying to figure things out and slowly trying to mess things up for Wanda so that she would use her powers.
2: Well, I think that Agatha all along is more so it, uh, maybe it's something saying that A- Agnes was Agatha all along. And then the, yeah. and then the weirder things that were happening that Wanda wasn't in control of were caused by Agatha, not the entire thing.
1: I don't know. It just felt weird to me anyways. Okay. Let's get into this episode. Uh, Brad, I'll start with you. What are your brief thoughts on this episode?
2: Um, I mean, for the most part, I, I, I liked it as this big epic inclusion to what was happening. But I almost wish that they would have made the last two episodes maybe just one single episode. Because this episode, like, it doesn't waste any time digging right back into where we left off. Like, it starts off with immediate um, action and puts the, you know... um, you know, the uh, white vision or whatever you want to call them um, right into the action immediately too. And it just, it goes into full Marvel movie climax mode, um, which is fine because, you know, that's that's where we're at in the show. But it, it also, I think, almost made it feel somewhat, in a way, incomplete to me. And again, not that I disliked it necessarily, but it just, to me, it felt, it felt like almost in the same way that Avengers Infinity War feels like it's half of a movie. This felt, it was like, just part of you know of a tv show and it and it is but just i just wish that this finale had a bit more of like a uh, I don't know a, a clear beginning middle and end as opposed to just feeling like the end of the overall series but um
1: you know i almost wonder if they like originally were playing around with the idea of possibly making this a double episode because like you said it, it does feel like it just leads right into it like it doesn't I don't know. It almost feels like it was meant to be one long episode, and it was cut into two. But I'm not saying that's what happened. But it, it does kind of feel like that.
2: Yeah, and so it's it's still really cool, and it's um it's impressive to see you know a, a show like this uh, do so much on on a blockbuster level because this um I think this episode is one of the ones that clearly shows why you know Paul Bettany said that there's more visual effect shots in this than you know any other blockbuster movie that Marvel has done because I I think pretty sure pretty much every shot in this episode is a visual effect shot. Um, And so, yeah, it's, you know, um, it's interesting to, I I think the the conclusion itself is, is satisfying, even if the episode doesn't feel like um, it has a full, you know, episodic story arc to it. But uh, I I do like where it, um, you know, leaves our characters and then, and still sets things up for the future. And that's all I'll say. and, And I'll wait until we get to the actual details. I was talking more about that.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I pretty much agree with you. I had some some of the same notes down here. Uh, you know, this is almost 50 minutes long, so it's like one of the longest episodes. And that visual effects budget, you can really feel it, and it feels like this is at the level of a Marvel movie. It doesn't feel, you know, like when you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you watch the special effects on that show—it looks like TV special effects. This looks like it could be on the big screen, and I would I would buy almost every single, you know, VFX shot as being capable of a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And it, it does feel like they spent a lot of that budget on this episode. Like, there's so much happening. There's, you know, visions, you know, flying around in there. There's, you know, witches flying around in there. There's, you know, hexes. There, there's just like so much going on and it felt to me more like the third act of a Marvel movie than it did the ending of the series. And I think how you feel about that will determine how much you like this finale or not. And I I want to say, I really like the series. I'm not like, you know, this isn't like leaving me on a downer. I think it's fine. I think this episode was fine, but for me, it just wasn't as great as the, biggest and best moments of the show and it like which the show was like so different and so interesting and this felt like it just evolved into you know here's a super villain trying to take away her powers and like it, it, yes there's moments where she deal, deals with the grief and letting go and I think that's the best moments of of this episode but uh you know in Wanda's arc the arc of like her acceptance which we can get into later is is great in this but at the same time like there's weird stuff in this episode like like last episode they kind of showed us like this the residents of this this town westview were kind of like in like a rundown town and it seemed like their lives were super shitty and almost i I know we were telling things from wanda's point of view of her coming into this town and deciding to you know create this world for herself and like she's like thinking She's making things better for not just her, but these people. But in this episode, we see, you know, when Agnes kind of cuts the strings, and we we see what these people have been going through. It I don't know. It feels very messy. Like the whole thing feels so, very messy. So
2: on on that subject, actually, because I didn't think about this at the time, but I was talking to a friend of mine, and they reminded me that um, even though it initially seemed like maybe it was a way of making Wanda seem like she wasn't doing something so heinous to these people by making the town look a little bit run down and the people a little bit miserable. Um this friend also reminded me that we're also living in a time that is not long after the, um the the blip. And so yeah. people have just come back and so a lot of places are probably run down and depressed and look like that.
1: Yeah, we saw that a little bit in uh Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Uh and I guess we're we're supposed to I mean we can talk about this later but we're supposed to end, end this this series believing that Wanda has finally moved on from this grief that she had, you know, this the love of her life being killed. But at the same time, there's, <laughs> there's, you know, a vision exists with the same memories as the vision she loved. And like, we're just supposed to, I don't know. We can talk about that later. Uh, I, I think, I, I also think I like Catherine Hahn more before she became athletic Agatha. Like, uh, I don't know, I, I really liked her in the series, and I loved the Agatha all along where she was kind of, like, really playing into it, but these last two episodes, she just felt to me like she was playing, like, Marvel supervillain, and it wasn't like she was having as much fun with the character. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I thought she was still, still having fun. I mean, that, that cackle of hers, and she was still... You know, doing some like, you know, sarcastic like quips and jabs here and there. And it's, it, you know, it, it reminded me um, a lot of Kate Blanchett's performance as Hella in Thor Ragnarok, which I also really appreciated. So I was, I was still fully on board with, with loving uh, Catherine Hunt's performance and her role as Agatha here.
1: She's good. It's, I don't know. I, I guess it's just not on the level of the rest of the series for me. But uh, you know, what? there was something I forgot to mention in our feedback section. Uh, uh, Chris Evangelista, he wrote. A piece on slashfilm.com. He wrote, "Uh, what we talk about when we talk about Wandavision, grief, trauma, and fan theories." And it, it's a great piece. I think everybody should go check it out. I'll link it in the show notes. But I, I think you know, there, there's a bunch of points that he has about this and how kind of this has become a mystery box show and how we've all been having these fan theories and i you know obviously this podcast has been a big perpetrator in these fan theories i don't think we've gotten into like the the really out there ones where it's going to be like this is how doctor doom comes into the marvel cinematic universe and you know stuff like that but um i i think he is pretty much saying that having this show as a mystery box show kind of undercuts uh, the idea of Marvel, de- of Wanda's arc in the show of dealing with grief, and by not, of us not kind of knowing what's going on until very late into the season, it kind of undercuts all that in, in a way, and also makes us approach the show in a way that maybe we shouldn't be approaching this particular story. And I, I do want to say that, first of all, I, I do think that this isn't something that fans brought upon. Uh, the show Um, i do think there's uh, some reading here by chris that like you know fans like approached us like a mystery box and you know made all these theories and i i think obviously in the show there's this this group called sword who is asking the same questions that we are and trying to you know trying to solve this mystery so i think it's presented as a mystery box and i think it's also presented as a mystery box in a way of that maybe Wanda has kind of put herself in this sitcom life and has kind of for it, it, she's put herself in there in this world. And she's trying to forget about what what's happened to the point of she doesn't even remember. And some of that stuff come, kind of comes peeking in. So it, it's, it's not trying to put us in the, I guess, I guess maybe that's for me, like part of the problem of this series is that it's trying to do the sword thing where it's putting us in the, The shoes, us as viewers, in the the shoes of as sword, like trying to figure out what is going on. But it's also like trying to put that like that's what's going on with Wanda, like her kind of like she's put herself into this mental place where she's not remembering what happened outside of this this Westview life, and I think that makes it harder for us to to deal with the issues that the the, the show kind of tried to tackle. I wanted to hear what you think of this, Brad. I know uh, you haven't read this whole article, but, like, do you think that the mystery box a- uh, aspect of the show undercuts, like, the emotional grief that the, the main character of the show is going through?
2: Uh, you know, I'm not sure that it undercuts it. I-, I think it just it creates this scenario that, like, is inevitable when you have something as big as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think that we also see this same thing happening with the Mandalorian in the Star Wars universe, too, where fans are so hungry to see these connections made to what they already know and what they know exists in Marvel comics and what they hope to see in the future that this is where a lot of the focus online, you know, ends up going towards because that's the the things that are people are excited to see progress and evolve into the future, especially when Marvel has already teased the arrival of X-Men and Fantastic Four at some point in the future, you know, people are just are looking for these things to, you know, lend credence to the idea that these characters are coming, you know, but I I don't think that it takes away from the power of you know what's at the center of this story, and and especially you know I mean for for me you know, I, I talked about this in the last episode the things that I'm going through right now like it doesn't I, I'm I'm focused much more on Wanda's story than I am the Marvel spectacle of it all, and and even though it's fun to speculate about the the future of um, what this means for Spider Man three or Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or or anything else this is, you know, at its core, it's still a story about uh, Wanda and grieving about the loss of everybody she's ever loved and how she's, she's dealing with it. And I think it's, this especially hits, I think, close to a lot of us because she takes solace in entertainment, in TV shows, you know, and the things that brought her family together and uh, made, made them happy during when, when times were dark. And so I think that, you know, this is a series that is doing that for a lot of people. It's tackling grief. It, uh, it's also giving them an, an outlet for entertainment to distract from the things that are so stressful right now. You know, and so I, th- I think that the the power of the story is still there. It gets a little bit lost, I think, online in the shuffle because, especially because you know, I think we'll be the first to admit. You know, we we run stories that are interesting that people want to read when they're about you know theories or things like that that make sense that um things that people want to talk about whether it's star wars marvel what have you and so i think that online culture perpetuates all these theories dominating the conversation because that's the things that people are clicking on the most but i don't think it precludes us from having these important conversations about the, the emotional core of a series like this
1: i think that's well said well said um You know, I haven't... I want to revisit this whole series. I want to see how it plays now that, like, I know how it ends. But it it is interesting, like you mentioned, how, like, you know, we kind of try to escape reality by going with through entertainment and try to ignore our problems and reality. And it's kind of interesting that, like... This is the first time I'm thinking about this, but obviously you know Wanda's past with her her family and them like trying to escape their hellhole of a life watching these sitcoms watching Dick Van Dyke and then like you know the real world comes barging in in the form of like the military and like all the the war that's happening outside and it, it it's kind of interesting that like life is repeating itself for her she's again escaping reality in the sitcom life in a different way <laughs> again like you know the sword uh hummers and stuff are barging in from the outside to disrupt uh her her happiness i don't know but okay uh let's get into the breakdown uh as you said this episode starts where the last one ended and this is appropriately called the season finale is the name of this episode or sorry series finale and uh It is the confrontation between Wanda and Agatha in the neighborhood and Agatha wants Wanda to use her powers against her so that she can steal them because we saw that in like the Salem witch trial thing like the all the witches like use their powers against Agatha and she kind of stole their powers and used it against them. Uh, So she's trying to do the same thing here but Wanda cleverly uses her powers to throw a car at Agatha and but Agatha dodges it and it crashes into the house uh i at first i thought maybe this was a like reference to like i'm not sure if you remember in age of ultron there was like a scene where wanda was using cars against iron man so i thought like maybe that was like a reference there but then there like she looks inside the house and sees a set of boots what what did you take from that? I'm I'm, I'm just wondering because I found some answers online but I oh, didn't quite understand. It's
2: a Wizard of Oz reference, I think. It's like, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm I, that's immediately what I thought is that it's just a Wicked Witch of the West thing when when the house um you know, or when the house crush crushes the witch, or it's not the Wicked Witch of the West, is it? It's it's the other, it's her sister, uh, right? Isn't the East, is? Yeah.
1: yeah. Dorothy killed the Wicked Witch of the. East. Well,
2: Dorothy didn't, but yeah, but the house fell, yeah, fell, house. fell on her, and so yeah, I think it was just a reference to the yeah, seeing the, her feet there as as a witch crushed by the car inside the house.
1: You know, I I told that totally escaped me the first time I watched. It. I was like, whose boots were those supposed to be? Uh, but it's also interesting later in the this episode we see like the movie theaters playing Oz the Great and Powerful, so. There's definitely some Wizard of Oz references going on in the show. Uh, White Vision lands, and Wanda wonders if it's really him, and tries. <laughs> she goes up to him, and he tries to destroy her because that's his um his mission. And uh, he, uh, the real Vision, shows up, knocks White Vision into like uh, something in the background, causing an explosion. And that's when we got the line Vision, this is our home, then let's fight for it. Uh, Monica is being held captive in Agnes's house uh, with uh, by Pietro. Uh, and she realizes that it's not Agnes's house at all. It's not Pietro's house. It's actually the house of Ralph Boner, which turns out to be. Well, this is a couple things. This is something I didn't actually think they were going to uh, follow back on. Like, this is, you know, since the beginning of the show, Agnes has mentioned her husband, Ralph, that we've never seen. So, you know, a lot of fans were theorizing, like, we're finally going to see Ralph at some point, And he's going to be Mephisto or, or or something. Right. And I honestly thought with one episode left that we weren't ever going to see Ralph and Ralph was going to be nobody. Or he was maybe going to be the person in the uh, witness protection program. But it turns out he is a real guy. He's an actor he uh, has a headshot and he's basically a dick joke that we're supposed to laugh at uh so so not only are people probably fans probably unhappy that marvel has kind of used this x men fake out but uh it was kind of trolly and gimmicky but uh they're like oh don't worry guys it's a dick joke
2: <laughs> yeah this was something that man i was it seems it... Intentionally deceptive to use Evan Peters in this role if he's not going to be a version of uh Pietro from another universe, you know. Like it's, it's just a real pulling the rug out from you situation where like it, it doesn't live up to any of the hype that fans have created, and maybe that's the fault of fans, but uh, but I don't think entirely because like when you're using an actor who also played Quicksilver in the X Men movies and he's playing Quicksilver in this movie or in the series, it c- creates those expectations, and so. I, I, you know, maybe, it, maybe it'll tr- tr- turn to this thing where, like, when the multiverse is actually tapped into, that like different versions of people have different names in other universes or something like that. You know, maybe there will be a a, a more thorough explanation or or exploration of it. But yeah. wait, Brad, I figured it out. Okay,
1: he's an actor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they have 20th Century Fox movies, and they made X Men, and he's the guy that played. Pietro in, in the X-Men film.
2: Oh, so it's it's not Evan. Peter- or
1: maybe in a different multiverse of the X-Men
2: film. Yeah, that, I mean, because that's going to be weird when, like, the X-Men actually start showing up in the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. They're going to be like, wait a minute, they already made movies about us?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that explanation holds water. But, I don't know. <laughs> it was interesting to make him an actor. I mean, I guess it fits the whole, like, him playing a role. But, um, okay. So, Monica rips off Pietro's necklace, unlocking his real self as Ralph. Um, actually, l- let me rewind for a second because I I don't think you finished your your whole what you were gonna say, Brad. Like, were you disappointed by now that we've come to a conclusion? I think this is the conclusion, right? I don't think this is gonna be followed up on in Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness. Like, it could be, who knows? But I, 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 let's take it as this is the conclusion of the the uh Vietro saga. Like, is this disappointing to you?
2: Um, yeah, on on I think on some level for sure because it just. Like I said, you know, it seems intentionally deceptive to use Evan Peters in this role and not have it be something more significant um, in the in the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so, yeah, I, I really wish that they would have done something more with this because that, that surprise of seeing him was such a big thing. And it just feels like it kind of fizzled out and became, you know, a total red herring.
1: And you could have just replaced him with any other actor. Like, it still works in the context of the show. Like, I don't think replacing him with Evan, like, does anything. Like, all it does is lead fans down an alley to be disappointed. Right? Like, there's no, there's no, like, I guess maybe you could, like, oh, it's kind of funny because he played Quicksilver in the other movies. Yeah. But, I don't know. I feel like it's, like, there's no positive to this. There's only negative. Which is almost like the same thing as, uh, you know, let's talk about that now. Uh, Paul Bettany has been saying for a couple of weeks now that he gets to star opposite a actor that he's wanted to work with since he was a child. This has led many fans to theorize all sorts of things. And it turns out that he was just talking about acting opposite himself. Vision versus Vision. And I I, I get that that's Paul Bettany trolling and that's funny and... You know, I, I can see it from him side of things. It's funny, but, like, I feel like making a quote like that only leads to disappointment. Like, there's no positive to come out of that, unless you're Paul Bettany or someone who enjoys Paul Bettany trolling fans.
2: Or Mar- Marvel and Disney getting hype going because that's what people were talking about and theorizing about and bringing more people to WandaVision. <laughs>
1: But does it, but it sets up expectations that can't be delivered upon.
2: Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's definitely definitely another disappointing thing, especially since and you know and this I think this also ties into what Chris was saying too is the you know the, this problem with with fan theories and it um and it having somewhat of an effect on how the series is perceived because from from this tease from Paul Bettany, people were theorizing, oh, maybe it's Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Maybe it's Ian McKellen as Magneto because Magneto is Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's father in, in Marvel Comics. There were all these cool ideas. Um, and so, and it turned out, you know, that it was just Paul Bettany having a little bit of fun. So, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing about fan theories. It's, it's dangerous. a dangerous road to go down because if you have enough, you start believing in a lot of these theories that, End up not being true, then you end up being disappointed, even if the product is still a, a good story.
2: Yeah, and it's and it's it turns into this thing of where you're judging a movie based on you know like what you want it to be as opposed to critiquing it for what it actually is. And there is some some crossover there, like because obviously you know it's fair to have expectations of like oh I want this movie to be good, you know, or I hope that this hmm. this is this is what it is, but. When you're criticizing it, you can't criticize it because it didn't do what you wanted it to do. At least in this 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 kind of fashion, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult line to dance sometimes because like the movie or series, you know, in this in this case itself creates certain expectations and things that it has to live up to as a story. But you you know you it's it's hard to begrudge it if it doesn't you know take. A you know a certain something that you theorized about or that you wanted to happen and didn't make it happen you know it's there um yeah I don't know it's just it's 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 complicated it's complicated
1: yeah I I do want to say though there is a positive to theorizing and speculation it's not all bad I I love speculating on things like especially like when it comes to things I love like Star Wars and Marvel it 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 I, it brings me great joy and there is a a point where yes you can be disappointed if there's something that you becomes totally invested in turns out not to be true and that sounds like a better thing than the thing that you watched yes you could be disappointed uh, i tend to n- never get that t- like you know as much as i like speculating i don't tend to tie myself down to my theories that that th- that tightly that like i would actually get disappointed but there is the positive side of things where you know where you know you watch Westworld season one and in the first couple episodes you're like what if these are two different timelines and then by the you know the end of the season you're like oh i'm totally vindicated i like this more than other people because i totally predicted this and like i was totally throughout the season like being like oh yeah that proves my theory oh that disproves it.' do you know i mean like it it kind of it it vindicates you in a way so there is a positive there could be a positive to theorizing and speculation. I don't want to make it sound like it's it's all a negative. Um I think we've even seen with this show like a uh, uh, you know not not WandaVision as a whole but uh this podcast that we've been like mentioning these theories like you know <laughs> uh Agnes being Agatha, which is something we I think none of us were on board when I brought that up in the first episode. But it ended up being coming true, and it like when it did, like it, I do think you get those like endorphins in you of like, oh yeah, we we like we're kind of part of that theory in the beginning. so what what do you think about that, Brad?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's there's. There's always going, you know, like there are certain speculations and fan theories, you know, that, that help make the, the series more exciting. You know, it's like it's the same thing that with Lost and, and other shows of, of its ilk, you know, which, you know, was a mystery box series, of course. Um, but yeah, it's I, I think, it, you know, it just has to be done, you know, like most things that we enjoy, you know, in moderation as well.
1: Yeah. OK, let's get back to the show. Hayward tries to bring in Jimmy Woo. He explains his whole evil plan to Woo and Woo is unwilling to play along. Uh he picks his handcuff and uses his cell phone to that. He stole from a sword agent to call the FBI. Uh, it's cool to see Wu employing more of the magic skills he learned from his online magic, uh, <laughs> magic school from Ant-Man number one. And also it didn't occur to me until this moment that I think in the best villains or antagonists and stories are ones that mirror the protagonist and it didn't occur to me until now that Hayward is kind of a mirror for Wanda in the fact that he's he's using the ends to justify the means he his he he, he his actions you know they come at the expense of ethics and uh hurt to others but in the end they're going to they're gonna do good for him and his country, and not only that, he he's able to edit security footage in a way to lead people in a certain direction of the reality he wants it to be, which I think is kind of like Wanda. So I don't know. I, it was just kind of interesting because I'm sure that's probably intentional. Well, and
2: of course, and
1: and of course, he brought back Vision. Oh yeah, that <laughs> didn't even yeah, I didn't even connect that one. That one's probably the biggest one. He brought Vision back from the dead. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, what else happened here? Uh, Agatha tells Wanda that there is an entire chapter dedicated to her in the Darkhold. And the Darkhold is the book of the Dam. This is the book that we saw in Agatha's basement and was one of the two options that I mentioned. So I got that part right. What I got wrong is I said that the Darkhold was going to be a MacGuffin that needed to be destroyed to end agatha and i was totally wrong on that theory uh that makes sense because the dark hold was created with indestructible paper so it can't be destroyed and uh this uh this also invalidates the dark holds appearance in agents of shield which further decanonizes that show even more than it already was so so there you go uh uh agatha reads from the book says the scarlet witch is not born she is forged she has no coven uh, no need for incantation wanda's powers exceed that of the sorcerer supreme so all this build-up of who the scarlet witch is and in mentioning the sorcerer supreme that this seems like a mighty big claim coming you know she's going to be in dr strange multiverse of madness This, this seems like a setup to me brad what do you think
2: yeah, for sure. We like you know we already know she's going to be in it, and it's just a matter of what her role in it. I guess you know we we had previously talked about her potentially being the villain, and I suppose that's not entirely ruled out. I still think that it would be a little bit of a betrayal of her character to turn her into a bad guy again when she was already a villain before and then became an Avenger. Um, but you know that's that's something that happens in the comic books all the time of characters going back and forth. I, but I I wonder wh- if there, if there will be some kind of Clash or disagreement with how to handle, you know, this power between her and Doctor Strange, or if maybe she will just be uh helping Doctor Strange with, you know, whatever this um madness is that is unfolding in the multiverse. I
1: I almost feel like it's gonna be one of those typical things where it's like, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, and it's this big battle until, you know, this other monster comes along and then they have to team up to I, I feel like it's gonna be that that's going to be the arc of dr strange too i don't know anything but i'm guessing that we're going to have this big epic conf- confrontation between dr strange and wanda and it's gonna to lead to you know someone was i i guess you know it was agatha all along someone was pulling the string uh, the strings behind the scenes and they have to take down this big thing to save the huge you know not just save the world they got to save the multiverse this time um, but i don't know We'll have to see, but it's interesting that um, we have a character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe establishing that Wanda has his powers far exceed that of Doctor Strange. Because, you know, we always like having those comic uh, those uh, those conversations like, you know, would iron who'd win in a fight? Iron Man or super, you know, like those kind of things. Um, so Wanda says she isn't a witch. No one taught her magic. Agatha says, according to the book. It is Wanda's destiny to destroy the world. This also seems to me like set up for Dr. Strange too. Will will we see her destroy the world?
2: Uh, You know, it's one, maybe it's one of those things where destroys the world as we know it and changes things, brings about something that could bring about the, um, the end of the world, you know, and since we're going to be going to the multiverse, maybe she'll end up destroying, you know, one of these parallel universes, (laughs) Um, but yeah, clear, clearly a setup for what's to come.
1: Part of me was like, is this kind of like a, uh, jokey, like, because at the end of this episode, she ends up destroying the hex, right? She, she destroys this world that she created. So is like, is it a jokey way to lead up to that? But I, I think that would be unsatisfying, but, uh, okay. Agatha unlocks some of the people of Westview. She, you know, cuts the strings and it's clear that they are very unhappy with their new lives. Dottie is actually Sarah and her child has been locked in her room. And, uh, you know, turns out she was not Mephisto, another popular fan theory. Uh, Wanda was given them or wait, uh, Wanda gave all these people like by creating this world and creating this like, uh, this fake reality. And, by taking all the grief off her back, she has given it to all these people, which I think is a very interesting thing. So these people were dealing with her nightmares so she didn't have to, which I think is really interesting. I wish we could have explored it at greater length. Um, and I also think it's very clever that Agatha like unlocks these people of Westview and uses them as a mob against her. It's... um. It's interesting to see Wanda arguing with them and it's almost like she's trying to reason with herself that what she did was okay. I, I think that's what I like of the series at its best when it's dealing with this Wanda arc is that it's exploring these issues of grief and what she's going through, but it's doing it in this, like this, <laughs> this Marvel cinematic universe way. Like, you know, it, in in another movie this would be her arguing with a therapist or something but it's here she's arguing with the people that were under her mind control for the last few days or whatever uh one of them even pleads to kill the says ask her to kill them kill her if she won't let them go she, th- so the people that are under the control would rather die than continue to live in this you know this existence that she has created for them so, Brad, let's, let's talk about this. Like, so in the last episode, you know, I know it was from the point of view of Wanda, and it kind of looked like they were leading miserable lives. Like you said, it could be after the blip. Uh, you know, these people, you know, the, the snap has kind of led uh, their town to kind of go downhill. Half the people disappeared. Uh, but at the same time, it almost painted... The picture that Wanda was like helping them in a way, in this episode, it, it, clearly she was not helping them. They they would rather die, or some of them would rather die than to live in her sitcom life. Like I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, I think well at this point, the people that were in gone in the blip would have been back at least for a little bit, yeah. you know. But I think that I mean, regardless of how unhappy they might have been during that time because things were kind of depressed and things have been, you know, we're in shambles during the aftermath of the blip. And then even crazy when people came back and, you know, people are acclimating to the change of being gone for five years. You're still talking about taking free will away from these people, making them live a life that isn't their own in some cases where they don't know where some of their loved ones are. And so, you know, they're, they're, they are being kept hostage. So even if this sitcom world she's created is seemingly better and maybe happier, than what it looked like before these people aren't living their own lives. And so it's, it's they're effectively being tortured every day. So.
1: And I, I think, you know, we're talking about mirrors and antagonists and protagonists. And there's a point here. I I didn't write down the actual language, but I think Agnes or Agatha says like, you're torturing these people. And Wanda says something like, well, she said something about her intention. Like she didn't realize it. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the difference between Wanda and Agatha is that she didn't realize what she was doing. So at that point, I, I think that's, an, uh, that that's the probably most interesting takeaway here. So she, she at that point uses her powers to disintegrate the boundary, letting the people Westview free. And as the hex dissolves, uh, so does vision, Billy, and Tommy, So they're like, they're turning into like, like little bricks, almost like little Tetris bricks. And I think this is a reference. There's this, a uh, house of M is this comic book that this, you know, this series is largely based on. And there's a cover of one of those comic books that shows Wanda as Scarlet witch turning into these red Tetris blocks. So I think that's a good, uh, reference to that comic book. So I guess the points out that if, she lets Westview free, then she'll lose her entire family. Um, Wanda relents, and the hex seals back up, restoring her family. She, she's she she's unwilling to make that sacrifice at this point. Agatha seals, or steal. Sorry, Agatha steals more of her uh, Wanda's powers, and Hayward's soldiers immediately show up. They have gotten through the boundary when when it was open. Uh, Billy freezes time while Tommy uses his super speed to disarm the weapons and Hayward tries to take the kids out and Monica jumps in front of them to save them. And this golden glow appears in her eyes and the bullets go into her and turn into light, which I'm still not sure I understand her powers. Like how does that go into the, her powers? Do you know?
2: I mean, I think that she has the ability to um, absorb energy and then also she has a phasing ability too that allows i think energy to pass through her without harming her that's my best guess i'm not entirely familiar with with her character superpowers from marvel comics and how extensive they are but that that just seems like what the what the overall uh, vibe was there
1: i feel like if this character is going to have a future in the mcu which it seems like she is because she's going to be in captain marvel and there's like this whole and credit scene that we'll talk about that they need to establish what her powers are to mainstream audiences, because I feel like it's very vague and we're, we're kind of reading in between the lines from like stuff we know from the comics, right? It doesn't seem like we have a, a, a complete explanation of what she's capable of. For sure. But, yeah. But on the other hand, we, we don't know what Scarlet, Witch is capable of. So I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so one bullet gets past her and the kids use their powers to take it out. Hayward tries to escape in his Hummer, but Darcy drives into him, trapping him. I want to hear what you feel about this, because I, I really felt like at the beginning of the series that Darcy, this is kind of a vindication for Darcy. And I feel in this finale that Darcy really didn't, this was like her heroic moment in this finale. And then she like disappears. Like she's no longer in it. Like, it felt like she kind of <laughs> got like I don't know I I I was really disappointed in how they used her character in the you know second half of the series.
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I don't know. I, I think it's it stays true to who she is essentially because she's she's a gun for hire essentially gets you know whoever needs her to like figure out these strange anomalies you know that have some kind of tie to you know science or things that are like not easily understood then she she's there but obviously it's not something that she you know stays thoroughly involved with as far as you know following up you know like they have the whole thing where she towards the end you know where they talk about how um she doesn't stick around for debriefing and stuff like that so um i don't know i kind of like it that she's she's kind of this almost like a rogue you know person who helps when it's required but also doesn't, isn't necessarily beholden to these agencies you know, um, despite, you know, them needing her help, you know, like she, she's willing to put in work as far as it, you know, seems like required of her, maybe morally ethically to figure out what's going on and make sure people don't get hurt, but she's not necessarily, you know, willing to stick around to deal with the bureaucracy of it all.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe this comes into the fan theory side of things, but there's a lot of fans like really loving the woo Darcy dynamic. And there, there was actually fans calling for them to make like a woo Darcy, like, you know, Marvel Disney plus TV show, which I think like the actors have actually commented on online. And I, I just wish there was more of like them working together in this finale of having like some kind of like teamwork dynamic. And it's just like this one moment where she just crashes I mean, I guess she prevents Hayward from getting away, so it's not like she didn't do something substantial. It's just I feel like she didn't, as much as she was like introduced early into the season as being a major character. I feel like she didn't end up becoming a major character in the series.
2: I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would I would disagree with that. I mean, she was she's the one who discovers the signal. She's the one who you know figures out all the stuff about Wandavision and that kind of thing. And so, even though she doesn't have quite as much to do in the finale, you know that that's mostly just because she's she's not a superhero, you know. Um right, and so right. I feel like she had just as much to do here in the finale as she did in, you know, the finale of Thor the Dark World, you know, when she was also still dealing with ground level kinds of things, you know, while while Thor did all the superhero stuff.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's get back to this uh Vision fights White Vision and they're fighting in the library. This is the same library that they had that neighborhood watch meeting. So I'm guessing what happened was they had to build this library for the fight scene. Cause that neighborhood watch meeting was like so weird. in that second episode. So I'm guessing they were like, we're, we're going to have to have this library for this fight sequence. So why don't we like use it in another scene? <laughs> I don't know. That, that's what it seemed like to me. Anyways, my favorite part of this episode I think is <laughs> that vision is able to use logic and philosophy to explain his way out of this fight with white vision. Like they use this whole thing about, you know, replacing planks on a boat uh, and restoring it. And, in the end vision is unable to unlock the data or is able to unlock the data in white vision's head and unlocking these memories means he's no longer controlled by hayward and is now you know his own person so here's here's where i'm kind of confused about things like what happens to white vision after this brad because he now has the memories of vision he is now basically the vision that wanda fell in love with essentially aside from him being colorless but she's still gonna move like does he get buried like what did they do with white vision what happens with white vision is what i'm asking
2: yeah this is a good question um it's clearly open-ended for a reason and like i mean because this vision essentially is by all intents and purposes the real vision in you know because that's actually Vision's body that's been repaired it's the actual memories and so like they've it's established that he's just as real as the vision is that Wanda created um and it seems like white vision has stuck around unless and maybe and maybe there's a chance they didn't explain this clearly enough to confirm or it was intentionally open ended so that the character could return later but like I don't know if that conversation that vision had with that one was to in order to essentially trick white vision into destroying himself um so that nobody could use him but you would think that maybe they would have had a moment that confirmed that if that were the case so i would i would anticipate that that's a character that will return at some point but in what capacity it's not clear because you would think that that would be a, a a good way for wanda to sort of get her happy ending because that you know that that is essentially vision with all the memories and everything so Um, But
1: the problem with that happy ending is you have Wanda who has learned that magic can't fix, you know, death and grief. And then in the end, oh, magic fixed it. And now she could be with the, you know, now she doesn't have to deal with the reality of the situation. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it would undercut her whole arc. but. It's so weird that they left him alive.
2: Yeah, there has there has to be something there that they're they're intending to use uh, down the road some somehow, but I'm not necessarily sure what that is.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wanda uses her magic to transport Agatha back to the stake at Salem, and the witches reanimate. But they don't want Agatha. They w- they want to take out Scarlet Witch because she's the harbinger of chaos, and they secure Wanda to the stake instead. The the red crown appears above Wanda's head with the two points resembling like devil horns. So this is something I didn't know. Like, so it it was the red crown, like something that they kind of have bestowed on her because she's like considered kind of like the devil. Or is that like her creating those crowns, that crown in that moment?
2: I would wager that maybe that's just how the power of Scarlet Witch manifests itself and that how she reveals herself to be the Scarlet Witch. I'm sure the imagery is maybe something tied to, you know, devilry or something like that with, with those horns. But considering that's just what Scarlet Witch has, um, how she looks, you know, in the comics and whatnot. And it can, it's, it's the, believed to be this myth of a person that is forged, you know, um, that I think I, I would think that that's just how, how she's symbolized. Yeah,
1: I will say that in the you know we sometimes watch the episode with the audio description turned on for people who are uh, hard of sight, and it did make a point to say that like this red crown appeared above her head with like uh, two points resembling devil horns. Oh, so that that was some something there to it. But I'm just like I don't know, red I always uh, imagine is her power and her creation, right? But I don't know. It almost seemed like they were doing it too. I don't know. It, it, I, I'm curious to hear what people think. If if you have a theory on this, uh write to peter at slash I'm not sure if we're gonna do an additional episode of this. Maybe we'll read it uh, before I'm sure we're gonna end up doing uh Winter Sol I mean um Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? So uh maybe maybe we'll read it then if we get anything interesting. Uh so Wanda uses her power to break out of Salem. And Wanda and Agnes have a battle in the sky. It's like this big CGI fest. It's very uninteresting to me, to be honest. Uh, Agatha is absorbing all the magic that Wanda is sending her, and it's making Wanda weaker. It's, um... Oh, another thing I wanted to mention. On that description track, it did call that the magic that Wanda's using is called chaos magic. So it, it is establishing that all that red magic you see is called chaos magic. Um... Agatha realizes that she can't use her magic and it's revealed that Wanda has put uh, like these, what are they called? Runes? I guess up on the boundaries of the hex, meaning that Agatha can't use her powers in the space. This is something I actually predicted a couple episodes ago. I said that like Wanda was going to lure Agatha to a place that she would be that Wanda would have her own runes around and she'd be unable to use but I I didn't even anticipate that she would use it on the hex like that. That that was brilliant. That was a good a uh, good reveal. Um, Wanda takes back all the chaos magic and the violet magic, which is also what the uh, track called it, the violet magic, um, and finally becomes the Scarlet Witch that w- she envisioned uh, in that flashback episode. We finally get to see what she looks like. She has the full costume on. I think it looks cool and badass, but I will say I have I wish it was brighter red. It's like so muted red. What what did you think of the costume?
2: Yeah, I think it definitely looks cool. I'm I'm fine with the color choices. The the brighter colors seem a little bit more bombastic and classic superhero esque, you know, um old old school comic style with, you know, these vibrant colors and things like that. So I'm fine with it being a little more muted, you know, because like it's the same thing with the colors of vision too, you know, that that fuchsia or Purple, maroon, whatever you want to call it, and that green are a lot brighter in the comics too, but they're a little more subdued, you know, in in the real world. So I'm I'm fine with with how it looks.
1: So at this point, Wanda has her accent back. Uh, I guess this indicates that she's back to her true self, and Wanda uses her magic to turn Agnes into the noisy neighbor character that she she played in the sitcoms. And uh, she does say that she'll be come back to see her again someday or something like that. I didn't write down the exact wording.
2: Is that if, yeah. Uh, if if um, she says something like you're going to, you're going to need me. And she said, well, if I do, then I know where to find you. So do you think we're going to see her in, in multiverse of madness? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility, you know, especially if she's in the midst of figuring out the, the limitations or strengths of her powers. And so it's, I would, I definitely wouldn't rule it out.
1: So now that the hex is destroyed, does that mean that she's like literally just living as a neighbor in Westview? She's I guess she's she's trapped like the people of Westview were but don't have that boundary of the hex. Because like it's not like they're in control of their lives anyways.
2: Right? I mean, you mean the people of Westview?
1: Yeah. I mean like I like now that the hex is gone, but she's now playing this noisy neighbor in Westview. Like she's So she's going to be trapped like they were, I'm assuming, even though there isn't that boundary.
2: Right. Yeah, I think I think I assume she'll be living yeah, in that probably in the house that she was in before by herself. But then that's that's a good question, though, because it's weird, because that was actually ralph boner's house so i don't know maybe maybe there'll be a new place where she'll be living or something that she'll be stuck there and you would think that that would be kind of unsettling for the people who live there too they have to encounter agnes every day and like the sitcom version of agnes too where she's upbeat and saying these quippy lines so that would be a little weird
1: well that that that's the spinoff series right there it's it's, it's um uh, ag or, yeah it's agnes and boner the the team up suit you know it's the odd couple sitcom series set in
2: westfield there we go
1: (laughs) okay um wanda vision billy and tommy return home as the hex further contracts wanda tells them quote a family is forever we couldn't truly ever leave each other even if we tried but then she says this right before they sets them to bed and the hex is contracting and they will soon all be gone Uh, so I, I am reading this, right? That, that the two kids, the twins are going to be, once the hex contracts that they're going to be completely gone. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, as we saw earlier, when, just like vision, they start to deteriorate when the hex is, um, going away. And so they're clearly purely creations within the hex and they cannot exist outside of it. Yeah.
1: Uh, Wanda and vision say their goodbyes. Vision asks Wanda what he actually is. And one explains a vision is the pe- uh, the piece of the mind stone that lives in her, a body of wires and blood and bone she created. Then she says, but you are my sadness. or wait, you are my sadness, but mostly you are my love. And I, I think this moment is very interesting because we were talking about all these, about these theories, these mystery boxes, all these fans asking all these questions. And I feel like this, is the perfect ending to the series because vision is asking for an end to this mystery he wants to get, he gets this answer, but at the end of the day, it's not about that answer. It's about, uh, this emotional conclusion, this decision that Wanda has made. It's about her grief. It's about her decision to finally move on. It's like, you know, it, it, it is about the mystery. It is about the answer, but it it that is less important to, to the bigger thing. I I think in this moment, what did you think of this moment?
2: Yeah, I think it builds upon, you know, what we saw previous, too, with the, you know, the line um, that, you know, turned into a, a viral meme on on Twitter. Um, <laughs> is that, you know, is what is grief, um, if not love, you know, persevering. And so this is...
1: Brad, I thought that was such, like, a special good, like, thought, and everybody's, like, mocking it.
2: Well, I th- Why? I think that they were mocking it because there was that tweet that made it seem like it was this... Earth-shattering, mind-blowing line—like one of the best lines of screenwriter has ever written—and like yeah. and it was a great moment, a, a, a fantastic emotional crux in, in that episode. Um, but it, 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 I think that the it was treated with such hyperbole that the the jokes that followed, you know, were were warranted in that way. And so I think a lot of people would would agree, even that we're you know taking advantage of that meme. That it, it was a good moment and a good line, but it was just uh, oversold way too much by that that one viral tweet Um, but I I think that this scene builds upon that of this idea of like of this vision being created solely of her her not solely but mostly of her love and that it was just it was trying to keep him alive with uh, you know within the um, from the power that lies within her and so I think that that is just it's just confirmation you know I, I almost think that it was a little too much of clear explanation but I'm sure it was warranted so that fans could understand where this vision actually came from um, but it's you know it comes down to like you said the emotional crux of it and you know what vision meant to her and why he he was manifested like that from within her.
1: yeah, I think you did need to answer that question because it was a question that was asked not just by sword but also by vision like it was asked like a multiple times throughout the series <laughs> so I think you needed to, to have like some kind of answer. And it was like, you know, something that they did twists and turns with, like we thought Wanda stole the body and then it turned out she didn't steal the body. So like, I feel like they needed some kind of answer to it. And I, I'm satisfied. You know, I might not be satisfied with Vietro, but I'm satisfied with this answer. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we've, we've seen them say goodbye before, and I, I think this one hit much more emotionally t- to me. Uh, because of the series, the series uh, kind of really built up their relationship in the way that the the movies could didn't have time to. Uh, Wanda's left in the rubble of their unbuilt house. She walks through the town square past all the angry Westview residents. Uh, she walks up to Monica. And by the way, like we see later, like moments later that she's able to just like fly away and fly out of the town and she, like they live in the neighborhood which is like on the outskirts of Westview. It's like not like she has to walk through the town center. So she's obviously walking to go see Monica, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, that's... I mean I think it's just one but... of those things where maybe it's just a meaningful <laughs> walk where she she yeah. took that you know she has that time for herself after you know saying goodbye to vision again.
1: Yeah. So uh Monica says that they'll never know what she sacrificed for them And Wanda says that that won't change how they see her. And Monica admits that if she had the powers that Wanda did, that she would have brought her mom back. And Wanda apologizes to Monica for all the pain she caused and says goodbye before flying off. End credits. This is bullshit, Brad. <laughs> yeah, because, because she apologizes to Monica, she did like almost nothing to Monica, and like all these people are angry. She's like tortured these people for who knows how many weeks now, like uh, taking away like their loved ones, their kids, made them live like these lives that they you know like these people already suffered enough. They already went through the blip, and like she says, I'm sorry to Monica, not them. They're all like watching. They're all there. Why didn't she like like why is there no apology to these people?
2: Well, I think that she kind of alludes to it before that too, is like no matter what she says or does, like, they're still going to fear her and they're still going to resent her for what she did. Um, so I don't I, I think that, you know, saying sorry would be the least that she could do, but it wouldn't change anything. And if anything, I'm not sure that she's necessarily apologizing to Monica for what happened to her within the hex maybe she's apologizing because she like in a way that she's giving condolences that she lost, you know, her mother and she knows the pain that she's going through as well.
1: I don't know. I I still think that like, she, for someone who has made a a great change in her life, I feel like she not, at least not in what we've seen in the series, like (laughs) came to a conclusion with the people of Westview in the way I would have liked especially after what they established in this episode that like they would rather die than stay under her control for another day. I don't know, but (laughs) maybe that's just me. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they'll move on. I'm sure they'll get over it. But uh, what what did you, uh, so what did you think of uh, this episode? We'll talk about the end credit scenes in a second. What did you think of this conclusion?
2: For the most part, I think it's uh, satisfying. It's um, I wish that maybe we would have gotten a little bit, more of, I don't know, some of the things that were were theorized about as far as like the opening of the multiverse and leading into stuff in in the Marvel movies uh, that we're going to see eventually. There, there is there's some like still a good amount of teases for that for sure. We'll, we'll get to those those two things um, shortly. But I just, yeah, I think that this for me, I think I'll always appreciate Wandavision, you know, as as a whole rather than focusing on you know the specific episodes because I think that this is something. It was very ambitious for Marvel. And even though it does seem like it ends up getting caught back up in the in the Marvel formula in some ways, I think it took a lot of risks in doing something that uh, they hadn't tackled before, you know, and doing something in television that was uh, a pretty big swing. Um, you know, It's it, it was to the point where there were some fans, you know, who clearly were not satisfied with what WandaVision was doing because it didn't fit into that Marvel formula. And they had to be patient to see how it all played out. And I, I hope that the ones who stuck around, were rewarded by that, and then the ones who maybe weren't realized that it was would deliver some what they hoped, and they, you know, find this story to be satisfying and something that is an interesting arc for Vision and and Wanda. And so for me, um, I, I think this is one of the coolest things that Marvel has done, and I, I I hope that it's a a good indication of what's to come with these Marvel shows that they will, um, they'll all have something you know unique to offer because I I will say already you know looking at what we've seen from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I feel like, you know, that's something that will be much more formulaic um, from Marvel as far as what we come to expect from the movies. And so I wonder if having WandaVision first will somehow make that series a little less satisfying, but it all depends what hap- mm. what happens in that show. But I, since this was the first swing um, out of the gate, I'm, I'm very interested to see w- what Marvel plans to do with with these stories and how they, you know, continue to enhance the movies as well.
1: As much as that seems kind of like the buddy cop kind of, uh, action film, kind of like that genre of stuff, it does seem like Loki is going to be weird.
2: Yes, absolutely. I'm very excited for Loki.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm excited for both, uh, in, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier that debuts in two weeks, I think.
2: Yeah. March 19th, I believe.
1: Yeah. Wow. Feels like we're going to be going to Disney plus every, every Friday.
2: Yeah and then and by the way we why, have, that, we have why did, the um the making of WandaVision documentary series coming up too so
1: I'm almost wondering why they had Raya come out last night. Why didn't they have that come in come out in one of the two weeks that was off from Marvel Marvel shows? I mean, I guess maybe may, maybe that translates into people watching Raya, maybe people being on the platform after they watch it they're like let's watch something else let's watch Raya.
2: I mean I think that's possible. It's because Riot is Premier Access, isn't it? So,
1: oh, is it Premier? I yeah, so, pay yeah so they have to pay for it, for
2: it anyway. So I don't think, yeah, that really makes much of a difference as far as when people watch it. It's they have to choose to watch it.
1: Yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. Okay, let's talk about the mid-credit scene. Uh, in the scene, we see Wu, who is coordinating the FBI efforts of cleaning up the situation. Uh, Darcy has already left because uh, debriefs are for the week, and she says and Hayward has been apprehended, as he should be, and Monica is called into the Coronet Theater, and she's met by an agent there uh, who reveals herself to be a Skrull. So this is one of the the alien characters we saw from Captain Marvel. Uh, they can take uh, the appearance of anybody, uh, and basically this alien uh, female alien character says that she has been sent by an old friend of her mother and wants to meet with her, pointing up to this, uh, and, and like she says, "Meet where?" and she points up to like the sky, indicating space. So my first thought here was she's talking about Talos, the Men- Ben Mendelssohn character from Captain Marvel. But then my second thought was, in Captain Marvel, the end credit scene we see—was it the end credit scene of Captain Marvel? What, what was the ca- end credit scene that we see Nick Fury in space?
2: That was—I think that was Spider-Man: Far From Home.
1: Spider-Man, far from home. We see Nick Fury in space and it seems like Talos is on Earth and he's in space at that point. So who do you think it is? Do you think it's Nick Fury or do you think it's Talos?
2: Uh, it could I mean, it could go either way. At, at a certain point, there's a, by now there's maybe... Well, I guess it depends on the timeline. I was going to say there's a chance that Talos is back in space, but maybe not. Um, she very well could have also been talking about Captain Marvel. I mean because that's yeah actually
1: you're right i didn't even think about that
2: yeah that was that was my initial <laughs> thought um so and but then i also and so like i my question is, is whether or not is this a tease for captain marvel 2 because we do know that she's supposed to be part of it or is it something that will also be part of secret invasion
1: hmm, hmm. i'm guessing it's captain marvel 2 because that's coming first right
2: i i forget what the release date is for captain marvel 2 but you're probably right
1: i'm thinking so the other thing i i thought about is this actress you know talking about fan theories there is you know this character monica brought up you know she called her uh engineer friend and a lot of fans were theorizing oh it could be you know, someone from the Fantastic Four. It could be this person. It could be Dr. Uh, Doctor Doom. It could be all these people. They, all these theorizing, theorizing because they had, like, these two moments in these two episodes where she, like, talks to the engineer friend on the phone. And it ends up uh, showing up at a – someone ended up showing up to deliver this drone thing. And it didn't end up being anybody. And then, then the fans were theorizing, oh, maybe it's not – maybe that's not the engineer friend because the actress that plays monica uh what's her name tayona paris Mm -hmm. i think she said in an interview like someone asked about the engineer friend and she said wait until you see who it is you you know it's you you will be surprised when you find out who it is or so she said something like that i don't have the quote in front of me but she said something leading to the effect leading the effect that maybe this is someone that we don't expect or like there's some kind of surprise to it. I'm wondering, do you think when she made that comment that she was talking about this, this reveal, this scroll reveal, and she didn't, she was getting confused if that was the engineer or not.
2: Um, that's a good question. Unless, I mean, unless she knows that it's a character that will be introduced in Captain Marvel two or something like that. I, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, how do we think we're going to... Uh, so you think this is going to play out in the Captain Marvel sequel? How does this... She's going to have to go into space using a... Well, I guess she she could use anything, because Skrulls have technology to send her in space. I was going to say she was going to use like a space shuttle or something. And she's going to be a big part of that. So do you think Captain Marvel 2 is going to be set in space?
2: I think that's a good probability. I think Captain Marvel's territory is definitely the rest of the universe. Um, so after the, you know, the first movie established her, uh you know, cause a lot of, it took place on earth, but it was also uncovering, you know, her origin and whatnot. And so then there was still plenty of stuff in space. So I think that they'll stick with the cosmic realm for, for Captain Marvel stuff.
1: Yeah, that, that, that makes sense for sure. Okay. So there was also an end credit sequence. So there's not only a mid credit sequence, but there's an after credit sequence. And this has Wanda, She's living in a little cabin in the middle of nowhere next to a lake between the snow capped mountains. And Wanda goes inside to get some tea. And we reveal that Scarlet Witch is levitating, cross legged, doing magic. She's looking at the dark hold. She has a dark hold open in front of her. And while she's doing the magic outside of her own body, uh, she hears a call for help. And the subtitles do confirm that this is Billy and Tommy calling for their mom to help them. So what, what do you think is happening here, Brad?
2: Part of me wonders if this, this is something that does tease the multiverse and that, and that her children do exist. And now they're trapped. Maybe they're stuck in, in the multiverse somewhere. Um, maybe her children exist in another parallel universe. And they're in trouble there, and they're somehow reaching out to her. Um, there, there will definitely be something, you know, involving Scarlet Witch, as you know, and the Nexus, as you know, as was teased in the, in Wandavision as well. And so, I I wouldn't be surprised if the, this is something that you know serves as another um, hint at what's coming for for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It
1: it seems weird though, like the whole point of the show is for her to like. Move on past this, you know, this thing that she can't have, but like, it seems like she's going to go to another multiverse to save them or something. I don't know. It it kind of conflicts. I mean, I know her journey is mainly her journey with vision and the loss of her love, but like this, this new thing that was created with vision also is something that she shouldn't be able to have. Right. Am I, am I overly thinking her arc here?
2: Um, I mean potentially, I guess it depends on what they do with it, you know, if it's yeah it's there there's i think there's too many unknowns to really answer for for sure because we don't necessarily know how that will unfold or you know, or anything like that,
1: yeah, and also seeing her doing magic outside of her body, this is something we've seen Doctor Strange do when he was like learning spells and stuff, and uh we should mention. That both of the kids from Wandavision have posted photos on Instagram uh, recently. They were they were in London. Brad, do you know what? Uh, do you know of any movies be shooting in London right now?
2: Oh, uh, gosh, I something. There's something about a, like a doctor. I think it's just a, like a a, a <laughs> medical procedural show or something like that.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe they, maybe they got a gig on that uh, <laughs> that new Doctor show. Yeah, I think so. It's on Paramount Plus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think we're gonna see them again in Multiverse of Madness, which doesn't mean anything because we already know that the multiverse is gonna come into play there. So anybody and anything could be in there. You know, Tobey Maguire could be Spider Man in that movie. So for all we know. Uh, but okay, uh, let's get into uh, speculation. Let's. Uh, I guess we've already talked. We we expect we both expect to see Agatha in Doctor Strange too, right? I would think so. Yeah. Do we think she's going to end up becoming the teacher character that she was kind of in the comics? It seems like she's, like, such a bad person in this episode.
2: though. No. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe reluctantly or maybe since she doesn't have – if she can do it in such a way that she can't use her powers, then maybe, you know, Wanda will can – can use her in that way to help hone and understand things that she doesn't know about, you know, the myth of the Scarlet witch, but that's also why she's, you know, reading the dark Hold too. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's just as good of a chance that we, we don't need to see, um, see Agatha again, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I
1: also wish I knew more about the comic book version of the dark Hold because it seems like this book is dark magic, right? Like why should she be reading it and doing stuff from this book? That seems like a, a very bad.
2: I mean, it, it certainly could be.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, what about White Vision? What, what do you think happened to White Vision? Do you think they just buried him? Do you think uh, they dismantled him? I mean, Vision himself said that after if he died, he wanted uh, a burial. He didn't want to be brought back. So, like, what do you think they... Well, first of all, where do you think White Vision is? Do you think he's with S.W.O.R.D., or do you think he's off on his own?
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's another you know big big question is that I and I really don't know because he um like we talked about before it's, it's uh there's a hint that maybe he could have destroyed himself when he realized that he was the vision and that was who is was tasked with the destroying um he could have but now that he his memories have been reactivated and he has essentially become you know the the vision again you know much in the same way of Theseus's ship that maybe he's out discovering himself you know um and so yeah i i I don't know
1: yeah i i do think it is very important for Wanda's arc for her not to end up back with him but you know all these heroes come back from the dead eventually i don't know i i guess the only the only loose thread for me and this might be partially because i was invested in this this fan theory is the witness protection person. We never ended up learning who was the person in witness protection, which I know doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. It didn't need to be like some big reveal, but I'm, they could have explained it some way. But then I was just thinking as I read this from my notes, Brad, that it's, it's kind of strange that there's an actor with headshots living in like Westview, New Jersey, right? Maybe, oh. maybe they're a witness that has been relocated there from, from California or something. I mean, they could be traveling to New York and doing like
2: plays and stuff. But
1: <laughs> I mean, well, I act like there's no acting jobs outside of New York and California.
2: <laughs> well, that also that also does bring about the potential that that Ralph Boner isn't his real name. <laughs> Maybe that's that. I, I, don't know. I feel like it's unlikely that, but that that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any more to say about? One division, this episode, this season, the future, do you have any theories?
2: um I think i just i walked away very impressed from this series and i um i I do wonder if i would if I would feel so strongly about it or be as have, have been as moved by it if I wasn't you know dealing with the uh, the personal crisis that I have you know been since the end of january I, I think it it has hit me at a at both the best and the worst time in my life yeah. for it to um, to pull at my heartstrings and to have some level of significance outside of just being this cool new Marvel series. But I just, I think that this is something that despite the fact that it does ha- have some restraints by being, you know, within the, mar- the confines of the Marvel cinematic universe and having to deliver a, a certain formula, if you will, that it, it did something very interesting, much different than we've seen in any of the other Marvel properties before. And I, I as I said before, I hope it's a sign of things to come that Marvel will continue to broaden their horizons and dig into the the weirder, more obscure parts of Marvel Comics and start to deliver things that fans want and that general audiences will be intrigued by, even if it's things that they don't fully, you know, understand from, from comic book history, because there's so many cool things to dig into. And just seeing a lot of this stuff, you know, this super nerdy stuff become mainstream and be done in such a cool way that interconnects with all of these other stories it, it marvel the marvel cinematic universe continues to be this you know um it's it's not just an experiment anymore it's it's a, a thriving success and just seeing how it continues to grow is is fascinating and this was uh, an interesting new branch to take it into
1: yeah i loved how different the series was i love that they tackle something like depression and grief in and they're not doing it in the same way that other i mean i don't think anything has done those topics in the way that marvel has with the show it's done it in such a unique way and as much as i i don't think it gets into like the the valleys of that it doesn't go very deep into that yeah. i do think that people that are going through depression or grief can find something in here it, it can relate like it, it's it's dealing with those issues in almost an abstract way with like her escape into the sitcoms and stuff like that. And I think sometimes uh people that are not in the, the, the right state of mind, like th- sometimes like seeing things like a story in this kind of abstract like is very helpful to, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm saying. I'm probably digging a hole for myself and in the words I'm using so I apologize if I (laughs) insult anybody but um I I really do like the series quite a bit I I was a little disappointed that the third uh that the final episode kind of just became this like people in skies using powers and throwing each other into the you know through walls and stuff but that said I'm I I still think overall the series was uh you know great and I, I I can't believe that Marvel is like taking their formula that they've been like, you know, they're probably the most successful brand in terms of movies right now. At this point, they've taken that from movies to TV and didn't like, didn't miss a step. They not only didn't miss a step, but they've, I'm not sure if I said this on the podcast. I know I've said it on our Slack channel, but it's interesting that uh, Disney with Marvel and I guess they started doing this with Mandalorian season two. So I, I guess I can't credit, marvel with this one but it's interesting that disney has changed the way television viewing is done on a franchise level of like the merchandising of each individual episode like it's an episode like it, almost as if it's a movie in itself like you know we're going to release this episode and then you get funko pops of the these people in their new costumes and you can buy this prop replica and it it's i've never seen another tv show do anything like that before this or you know Middle Earth season two uh and that's i'm not sure if that's exciting it's it's very interesting right now <laughs> i'll also say that much it, it, it's it's funny because like you know we've been talking about how this show is like the water cooler kind of feeling it gives you of each week we we get together and we talk about it And it's great having this podcast and uh, talking with all the the people out there listening. We've gotten such great feedback on it. And it's, it's interesting that no one has thought to try to make money off the water cooler, you know, weekly releases of a story in the way that Disney is now doing with these shows. So I don't know. I I find it extremely interesting and I'm excited to see what Falcon Falcon and winter soldier is going to be. And, uh, Maybe, uh, Brad, Brad, do you want to get back together for that one?
2: I mean, podcast. Yeah, hopefully there's um a substantial amount of material there to continue to discuss. Um, as we continue, <laughs> as I said, I'm I'm a little skeptical about Falcon The little Soldier*. I'll be watching, uh, of course, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it turns out.
1: Okay, we'll take a look at it. We weren't sure there was gonna be enough in this in this series when it started airing, That's true. and we were like, oh oh my God, there's so many theories. Uh, but okay, uh, you can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can read that, uh, that article that Chris wrote. I'll link that in the show notes. It's, even though I, I do have some disagreements with it, I think he makes some very interesting points and you should check it out. Uh, you can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter slashfilm.com. I can't guarantee you, If you send an email about WandaVision, that we'll read that on an upcoming episode. But if we do end up doing a thing for Falcon and Winter Soldier, maybe if there's something interesting, we'll read it in the first episode of that. But uh, yeah, please head on over to our iTunes page. If you like this podcast, you want more people to find this podcast takes 30 seconds out of your time to go to iTunes. Write us like a sentence or two. Don't just like hit the five stars. Hit the five stars and write a sentence or two. And uh, that helps people find this show and this podcast. Uh, Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Monday.